This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey everybody, it's Drags. It's Wednesday, January 1st. Happy New Year. Happy 2020. Time for episode 331 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network. Find us at clnsmedia.com and follow us on Twitter at Patriots CLNS. Patriots fans hope the new year doesn't bring in a new age very unfamiliar to them losing. Specifically, based off what we all saw on Sunday, there were red flags galore with the Patriots' 27-24 loss to the Dolphins at Gillette Stadium that cost New England a very valuable first-round buy, something we're not used to in these parts. Instead, they've got to beat an upstart Tennessee team with a red-hot quarterback in Ryan Tannehill, a top-tier running back in Derrick Henry, and a head coach in Mike Frabel that knows Bill Belichick and Tom Brady as well as anybody. Here to discuss it all is CLNS Media colleague Alex Barth, fresh from the Tobin Bridge. Follow him on Twitter <laughs> at RealAlexBarth, all one word. I'm glad you stepped off the uh, precipice and uh, didn't take that dive on Sunday night when you uh, went all hyperbole and all panic when you said that move by uh, Belichick at the end of the first half was one of his worst moves uh, of the last 10 years. Was it not, though? Oh, was come it, on. In the regular oh, my season? God. Are we going to really... In the regular season? All right. Dude, dude, hey, dude, it's... chill. As I don't remember the last... There are You're 12, 13 I've years old? Done... How, old are you? How old are you? 25. Okay. Go. There's things I've seen him do that I didn't necessarily agree with, but, you know, there's some sort of context where they made sense, right? You go back to the comeback against Denver, and when they took the wind in overtime instead of kicking or receiving, it it seemed dumb at the time, but that, in context, made sense. I still haven't heard, you know, I, I haven't thought of her, or even from the experts, I still haven't heard a reason why the Patriots should not have put the pedal down and gone for it there at the end of that first half. And I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but at the time we were saying the same thing. The game was tied at the time. Points were valuable. I, I'm, I'm standing by that statement. That was as bizarre a decision as I've seen him make in a regular season game in quite some time. And I still can't think of a justification for it. And if somebody else can, let me know. Okay. but I, Who are you sitting next to watching the game, Alex? You. That's correct. You were sitting next to me. You didn't I have one. And do you remember me saying he doesn't trust the offense? This doesn't surprise me at all. I didn't think one moment about it. And I'll tell you why I didn't think it was that big a deal that they just took the lead, uh, took the tie game and just went into halftime, even though a lot of fans were booing. Uh, and that is because Belichick saw what the Patriots offense was doing. And he didn't trust them to move the ball 40, 50 yards down the field to get into field goal position without turning the ball over. And I think at that point, you you asked Belichick with 90 seconds to go uh, in that game in the first half, if he'd take a tie, go to the halftime and just regroup. He'll do that 100 times out of 100. 
That's why I didn't think it was a big deal. I, I just, I don't know why people expect, uh, him to do something different than he has ever done uh, in his career. He can because watch he's it. always he's always gone for that double score. That's all that that's been his thing. He has for that double look. Score. He's gone for it, Alex. When he felt that his offense was capable of moving the ball at will down the field, did you watch the first half and how ineffective I that did, offense so, was? So let me let me give you a counterpoint to that is. Yes, the offense wasn't moving the ball well, but sometimes, and we've seen this before, I know it sounds counterproductive, we've seen it with other teams, we've seen it with the Patriots, sometimes when you take the reins off and let them go, that can actually be therapeutic for an offense, when they get put in that in that hurry-up situation and they, you know, you can't overthink things, you just go, 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 that can help. The other side of that being, you have the best defense in the league if you're the Patriots, even if the Dolphins use their timeouts, they're only going to get the ball back with about 30 seconds with 60, 70, 75 yards in front of them. If you don't trust your offense, that's one thing. But he made it sound like in the postgame, and I know he probably isn't being 100% honest, but this is what we have to go with, that he didn't trust the defense to get that stop if the Patriots gave the Dolphins the ball back. And that's where I'm scratching my head. If you don't trust the offense, fine, but give them the chance. This offense has been at its best this year, I think, in it, in its hurry-up mode. And at the very least... If they don't get it, I think you have to have faith in the defense to be able to get that stop. Now, they couldn't get it at the end of the game yesterday, but in the moment, again, best defense in the league against what is statistically one of the worst offenses, albeit they didn't look that way yesterday. I, I If I'm Bill Belichick, I trust them with 30 seconds on the clock to defend a 65-yard field. Okay, what bothered you the most about Sunday's loss? The offense uh, in the first half or the defense, specifically the, the last drive of the game? I mean, it, kind of both. You know, I don't want to use a cop-out answer. What bothered me was, was some of the decisions they made, but specifically defensively, and, and you and Evan talked about this at length yesterday. That's on our YouTube channel, but I'll, I'll go back to it. Some of the defensive play calling, not just on the last drive, but – really most of the second half, they were blitzing the hell out of Ryan Fitzpatrick. And this is a guy who can't do a lot. One thing he can do, and one of the reasons he's hung around the league, is he can throw against the blitz. He doesn't mind taking a shot if he can get rid of the ball. He can run around. He can extend plays. He can break tackles. This is a veteran quarterback who knows how to identify and throw against the blitz. So why are you coming out there and blitzing them as much as the Patriots did? Zero blitz nonetheless. Putting an elite cover corner like Stephon Gilmore in cushion coverage, in soft man coverage. Make Ryan Fitzpatrick make the throws into tight windows. I thought that was going to be the game plan. I, I did not understand the the defensive. You know, I, you, people will blame the defense. I don't necessarily think Stephon Gilmore had a bad game. I think he did what the coaches wanted him to do. I just think the game plan didn't work. So uh, I don't want to say I, I, I blame the defense. I don't want to say the defense was my biggest point of concern, but the defensive play calling to me, and it's been like this at times this year. Yesterday was a concentrated example, but the defensive play calling has been a bit over-aggressive. That cover zero blitz where they send everybody, don't leave a deep safety. When they ran that last year and it was working well, and this is – you know, not just them, but in general too, you run that two, three times a game. That's a play meant to catch the other team off guard. That play works on the element of surprise, right? If you know it's coming, and Ryan Fitzpatrick said this after the game, he saw it coming and he knew where the check downs were, the short throws were, the quick outs, and he got rid of the ball and didn't have to deal with the blitz. When you're running that 
you know, once every three plays, once every four plays. I'm not sure the Patriots were that frequent yesterday, but it felt like it. The defense is going to be able to recognize that, draw up those quick throws, and you saw what happened. You see the result. The offense can march up the field pretty much as at will. So, yeah, to get back to your, your original question, it's the defense, but specifically the way they were calling the plays. Okay, here's what I want to see on Saturday night against Tennessee. I want to see James White touch the ball more than what did he touch the ball on Sunday? How many times? Not did enough. He, uh, let, well, let's see. He had he had two carries for four yards, so that's two touches. He was targeted yeah. three times and had three catches. He touched the ball five times in that game. That that number has to double, maybe triple, if uh, you ask me, for Saturday. Uh, scheme that or no scheme. Go ahead. That what? almost needs to be. I was just going to say that almost needs to be the number per drive. He 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 needs, especially if Julian Edelman is still dealing with whatever he's dealing with. James White's your best option offensively. I agree, and there are many ways you can use James White, and I just don't really get why his numbers. Uh, some of that is the way defenses are scheming the Patriots this year uh, without uh, Rob Gronkowski and without James Devlin as a, a blocker in the running game. But uh, And I understand all of that. But still, you know, Josh McDaniels is uh, regarded as one of the more creative offensive coordinators uh, in the NFL. And Bill Belichick certainly wouldn't have kept him around as long as he has if he didn't uh, feel the same way. I don't understand the whole you know, protecting James White, not using him too much. You've got to get the ball in James White's hand. He had the great touchdown that put him ahead 24-20. And the other thing I want to see more of Saturday night, Alex, uh, is hurry up. Uh, Mm -hmm. And hurry up at times where you catch the defense off guard. Yes. Yeah, I, I mean, both excellent points. We've been we've been waiting for the hurry up to come back, right? It was so effective when they were trying to come back in that Baltimore game. It was so effective when they were trying to come back against Houston, the one drive against Philly there after the bye. But they haven't done it. They haven't done it in situations where you'd think it would be obvious. And that and, and James White too, the the call from the, the Patriots defenders has been they don't want to put it on tape, right? They're saving it for the playoffs. Why use it now when they don't need it? Could argue they have needed it at times, given the situation they're in now, but hindsight's twenty twenty. But why call it when you don't need it, save it for the playoffs, right? This, we've heard this narrative, this offense is going to look completely different when they get to the playoffs. Josh McDaniels has shown 60-70% of the playbook. They still have a whole element to the offense they can break out. That's what we've been hearing. Well, here we go. We're here right now. So you talk about what we've been saying. They're, in quotes, holding back. They've supposedly been holding back Julian Edelman to get him ready for the playoffs. They've been holding back James White to get him ready for the playoffs. They've been waiting on the hurry-up because they didn't want to show it on tape. Those are the three things they need to do come Saturday night. So so let's let's see how – you know, it's it's a comfortable excuse. I understand why fans like to go there because – if, if, if you're a certain kind of fan, you don't want you to admit your team is flawed. So if you convince yourself, whether it's true or not, if you convince yourself that they're doing it on purpose, it's comforting. That's fine. The flip side of that coin is when it comes time to break all that out and they can't do it, it's going to hurt twice as much. So that, that's, that's a fan's point of view watching this game. But just, you know, as we look at that narrative and as we look at, and we've kind of been expecting them to flip the switch, right? That magic phrase we've heard so we much have. in Boston yes, the last three have. years. 
between the Celtics, the Red Sox. I never thought the Patriots would be uh, uh, partakers of flipping the switch, but here we are. Is there a switch to be flipped? That's what this is going to come down to. If they play like they played against Miami, they're going home. That's it. We're getting wild. We're wild card and done. This Tennessee team is no joke. Well, no, they are I, not. They can cut the game. I'm glad if you the Patriots may- have another level. They'll 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 be okay. Uh, okay, I'm glad you brought that up, Alex. It's a great great point. Last year with the Kyrie in the last era, uh, last year of the Kyrie Irving era with the Celtics, you did hear that time and time and time again from a lot of hopeful Celtics fans. Wait till the playoffs get there. They they will certainly kick it into a new gear um, and a higher gear. Uh, certainly with the veterans that they have on the roster, they'll be able to they'll be capable of doing that. Well, you've heard a lot over the last four to five weeks where the Patriots have looked stale at times, um, and you've heard the Patriots will kick it into the next gear. I just wonder, based on what I've seen on the field, if they're capable of doing it consistently and whether or not they have that switch. Yeah, I mean, if there was time to go into a second gear, it was that second half, knowing that the bye was on the line, and... They had one drive. They did. That drive to take the lead, Brady made four throws, and, and the running game took care of the rest, and they, they worked them all down the field. But they need to be able to do that four, five, six times against this Tennessee team because they're going to put up points. The Titans are going to score. And there was a stat today. The Patriots, when they allowed uh, fewer than 20 points this year, they were 12-0. and 12-0 when they allowed fewer than 20 points. 20 or more, 0-4. So that's the line. That's the line right there for the defense, and the offense has to match it. They're not going to win this game, I don't think, if they're scoring 14-17, if this turns into a field goal battle, a field position battle. I'm not necessarily saying it's going to be a shootout. I don't think it goes to the other extreme either, but I, I think it takes you know 21 to 24 points. It's going to take them three touchdowns to win this game. Now, Tennessee's defense is banged up. They're missing two of their top corners and Dory Jackson and Malcolm Butler, which by the way, if he was healthy, how fun would that storyline be? Uh, but they, you know, it's, it's still a talented defense. They need to get down the field three times. Like we saw on, on Sunday, you can't necessarily count on the defense to force that turnover. They're not going to be able to do that every week. This is a tough team to, to force to turn the ball over. They don't take a lot of risks. They're very safe. And Derrick Henry's not letting go of that thing. You're not punching the ball out of Derrick Henry's hands. He's too big. He's too strong. So the offense is going to need to move the ball. They are going to need three to four drives Saturday night. And based on the way they played against Miami, I'm not sure that 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 they have that in them against this defense. I'm not saying they can't. I'm just saying that, that they need to show a little bit more than they did in that Week 17 game. Right, I, and I, I don't disagree with that. Uh, speaking with Alex Barth of CLNS Media covering the uh, the Patriots for us, along with Evan Lazar, Sierra Goodwill, and myself, that would be Mike Petralia. You can follow me on Twitter at Trags. You can follow Alex Barth at Real Alex Barth, all one word. The football playoffs are finally here, and you can follow all of the action at betonline.ag as your favorite team makes their way through the playoff rounds. It's all about the playoffs and, for some, draft picks. Betonline.ag is there for you during all of the late-season drama 
up-to-date information, including odds and lines, every spread, every winner or loser, straight bet, parlay, or tease your way through the season. So before the next kickoff, that would be this Saturday, head on over to betonline.ag to receive your 50% welcome bonus, and be sure to use our promo code CLNS50 and take advantage of our great offer today. Bring the game home with betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Back with Alex Barth of CLNS Media, covering the Patriots and the NFL for CLNSmedia.com. Okay, before we get back to football, you said something in the pregame meal that blew my doors off, and I oh boy, uh, I, and I think you'll you'll know what's my favorite TV show. Uh, Family Guy, right? No, uh, close. Family oh, Guy, yes. Family Guy's number two. The Office is number one. What was your hot take about Jim? I don't think so. Not not the actor John Krasinski. Jim, the character. Yes. If you go back and watch this show a second time, he's actually kind of a bad person. He he is. He steals another man's fiance. He's what is in 2019 culture constantly bullying Dwight. He undermines his boss behind his back almost every chance he gets. He's like low-key kind of a scumbag. And it's funny because – it tracks. You, you've probably never been been on a dating app, but you go on Tinder or Bumble or whatever, and every girl is trying to find my Jim Halpert, just want to find my Jim Halpert. He's like a bad dude. People don't realize it, but he – it's the same with Scrubs. You watched it the first time. JD is the hero. Go back and watch Scrubs the second time. He's just a total self-absorbed narcissist, not to ruin everybody's favorite TV shows. But anyway – I just thought that was a great hot take from somebody in Alex Barth who is full of hot takes. I mean, I, look, you, you, you've been in, in, in the business more directly than me. I'm trying to get to, to a radio station. I was told that's how it's done, one of the ways it's done. Uh, it is, but with some of your hot takes, there has to be some substance behind it. But uh, I'm not going to – I think gonna... that it's substance. I, I, I had three examples. Uh, not bad. Back to football. Um, yes, this weekend, I want three reasons why the Patriots will bounce back and beat Tennessee. Go. Okay. The first reason is that, and I, I, I mentioned this a little earlier, Tennessee's a little banged up defensively. They're going to be inexperienced in the secondary. And, and these guys have played for a couple of months, right? Malcolm Butler's been on IR since December. I think it's been since October for Dory Jackson. So the – Difficulties the Patriots receivers have had in getting separation, they're, they're going to be on a level playing field. I think that certainly helps them. Uh, reason number two on the other side of the football when the Patriots get on defense, there's something to be said for a defense playing angry. And I know this just sounds like a fan narrative that, you know, we put out there for fun, but it, the defense got embarrassed and they know it. You yep, could hear it in a way. I would agree talking. with that. The defense got embarrassed. I don't think they want – they don't want to get embarrassed again. They're going to play with a chip on their shoulder. Kyle Van Noy said in the locker room today, uh, Monday, that it's the revenge tour, and I think there's something to that. And reason number three in Trags, I know you're going to blast me for being a fanboy, but this is the reality. Why the New England – reason why the New England Patriots will be fine, because they're the New England Patriots, because Bill Belichick is still the head coach, and because Tom Brady is still the quarterback. And what those two have done and what this franchise has accomplished in the last 19 years, we wrote them out last year, backs against the wall, right? They lost two games in December to two bad teams, and it was all over, and they had to 
go to Kansas City, and we didn't even know if they'd beat the Chargers to get to Kansas City, right? They were done. Rob Gronkowski had nothing left. Uh, a couple of years before that, they were down 28 28- I know of people who turned the Super Bowl off at halftime to watch the office because they couldn't deal to watch, see the Patriots get bad. They missed the comeback. Uh, it just, you go back and back and back, right? They were done in 2010. Go back to the first game at Gillette Stadium of this decade. They give up 24 points in the first quarter to the Baltimore Ravens. Tom Brady is just a year and a half removed from knee surgery. And everybody's saying, well, it was a fun decade, but that's just about it. Here we are. Nine years and three Super Bowls later, and they're still here. I know it's cheesy. I know it's a fanboy take, but you can't ignore 19 years of history. They are the New England Patriots. Bill Belichick is the head coach. Tom Brady is the quarterback. That's not nothing. That is valuable, and it becomes exponentially more valuable once you get into the postseason. I would uh, agree with that to a large extent, and I'll add to it by saying when I was in the locker room and talking to Matthew Slater, Matthew Slater, if if I'm facing um, a life-or-death situation, I want Matthew Slater talking to me, counseling me, and being with me, er, holding my hand every step of the way. And that is because he is the most calming, rational human being I've ever met in terms of, of being in a sports atmosphere after a, a pretty bad loss. I mean, and Sunday, right. given, given what was at stake in terms of getting a week off and, and having a much easier route to the Super Bowl, that was a big loss for the Patriots. And he was calm. He was collected in all of his comments to the media. And I'm like, this is the guy – I definitely want talking to the rest of the team about we're not done yet. You know, nobody's going to feel sorry for us, kind of echoing the words of Devin McCourty. Nobody's going to feel sorry that the Patriots didn't get the first round by. We have to just, you know, put this in the past. As soon as we leave this building, this loss is gone And uh, on Sunday night. And we have to move on. We'll have a game. We'll have another game. And we have to embrace the opportunity. See, it's funny you bring that up because the the clip that came into my mind after that game and, and when we were we were talking about a post game, kind of what the mentality has to be going forward and what the mindset is and who's going to step up and say something. There's a clip from Donta Hightower right after halftime of Super Bowl Fifty One, right the twenty eight to three Super Bowl. No more my he, bad, <laughs> right? No more. He comes out. No more my bad. No more mistakes. No more I blew this. It's got to be perfect. But he's not saying it in an angry way. Right. I wish I could pull the clip up. I wish we could insert it in here because the way he says it, it's just this is it. That he he lays out clearly, succinctly, without panic but with purpose. This is exactly what we have to do. If we do this, it we will win. But again, it has to be done in this exact way. And I think that you know a lot of teams get in this situation and they haven't been there before, and all of a sudden everybody wants to be you know, the 1980 U.S. Uh, uh, Olympic hockey team for miracle, right? Everybody wants to be the team at, at halftime in the locker room from any given Sunday, right? They want that movie moment where somebody stands up and, and in front of the whole team says, we can do this. They counted us out, but we can go out. That's not what wins games and, and creates positive outcomes in this situation. To me, it's that Dante Hightower mindset. There's no more mistakes. You're accountable for your actions. Follow the script. The margin of error is gone. We're not, it's not lost. Season's not lost. It's not over. Still have a chance. But the margin for error is gone. So button up your chin strap. Let's go. And that, to me, is 
it, the, the, just again, to go back to it, not to have too much of a fanboy take, but they've been in 28-3. They were in that situation last year where they just had a putrid, putrid December. They've been here. They, they know how to dig themselves out of this hole. Granted, it's an extra game. And it's been six years since a team playing wild card weekend made the Super Bowl. But if any team is prepared for it mentally, it's the New England Patriots. So men- mentally, I have no qualms with uh, any of that. It's just when I watch Tom Brady, it's not yes. like watching Tom Brady of even three years ago or two years ago. He looks like a different quarterback and not in a good way. That would be my caveat to all of this. All no, of this inspirational it, talk that you yes. and me are doing right now and that the team is certainly going through to an extent in the week leading up to Saturday night, a lot of this is is Tom Brady. Is he going to be able to find the magic elixir sure. to get himself healthy for Saturday? And, and again, you have to execute it. And that's why I, I made sure to specify mentally I think they'll be fine. And it's not just Brady. I mean, I don't want to take the cop out and not talk about him. He doesn't look right. And frankly, the fact that he keeps coming out and saying he's not hurt is even more concerning for me because if this is him healthy, he needs to hang him up. But Julian Edelman I don't think is right either. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you look at the past couple of weeks, Patrick Chung, Jonathan Jones, these guys can't tackle. They're hurt. There's something physically wrong, and they're struggling to make tackles. And you have a six-foot, 230-pound, just absolute bull of a running back coming in, and – you can't afford to miss tackles with this guy. He's going to put his shoulder right in your chest and run through you every chance he gets. It's going to require team tackling, attacking at the point of the ball. And again, you saw Jonathan Jones whiff on a couple tackles last week, Patrick Chung for the last month. It's clear there's something physically off with him because he's always been, among all else, a very sure tackler. And he hasn't been like that in the last month. So that, that to me is the big area of concern is defensively the injuries. I think they really could have used that week off because they're having some trouble finishing plays. And this is a Tennessee Titans team with, it's not just Derrick Henry either, a lot just of, of size and strength on the offensive side of the football that you have to be able to finish against defensively. And that's been one of their biggest Achilles heels this last month. I would, the other thing that concerns me about this game is, you know who the other head coach is. The, yeah, yeah, the familiarity is well, is, not just the yeah. familiarity, but the understanding of the Patriot culture and where the Patriots are coming from this week. He is going to be in the ears of all of his players, Mike Vrabel, this week, telling them, "Look, you, they think um, they feel like it's them against the world again. Everybody's counting them out. You're going into a buzzsaw. The way you beat the Patriots is you." Put the knife in their heart early in the game, and you keep twisting, and you keep twisting, and you don't stop until the game is over, and they are dead. And that's what he's going to be telling them, because the Patriots will never, ever, ever, ever quit, and they never think the game is over. No, they won't, and, and again, they're going to need that this week, but you're right. It's the, a lot of the mystique, and players have said this, right? What was the report 
uh, some player, I forget who it was, wrote an op-ed on ESPN about what it's like to play at Gillette Stadium, and he said you drive through essentially a small town, and, and the visiting teams don't take Route 1. Yeah, I remember They this. go up Mechanic, yep. Street from Sharon, Mechanic Street from Sharon to everyone. So it's this whole thing about you walk in, and it's intimidating. Just you see the stadium rise out of nowhere, and you see the banners up there, and you know you watch games there when you were you watched on TV as a kid, them playing playoff games there. And that, that mystique still means something. If anybody can kind of lift the cloud of that mystique in the eyes of their players, it's Mike Vrabel because he can go in and say, look, I've been there. It's just a football game. That's all it is. I played in them. You're going to play in them. It's the same thing you've done the last 16, the last 17 weeks. And that's, you know, that I, I don't want to say it. it's necessarily a huge game changer, but a lot of teams start slow in Foxborough in the playoffs. And I don't think it's it's not the, the lone reason, but it's not no reason that the lights are too bright. And I'm not. Uh, Mike Vrabel should have his team ready for that moment. I think Josh McDaniels is gone. What do you think? I'm honestly surprised there's as much interest in him as there is, just given the way the. I offense think the Browns right makes too much sense, and I'll tell the you. The Browns why. make the Browns the, make the, sense. The Browns certainly make a lot of sense. I think. Go ahead. Sorry. I think Freddie Kitchens was let go because I think there's a sense. I wouldn't say understanding, but I think there's a sense that if you get Josh McDaniels in an interview and you throw him Baker Mayfield, uh, OBJ, assuming he that the two sides, the Browns and uh, Odell Beckham Jr., work out an agreement um, that he doesn't want to be traded uh, and he was going to work under his existing contract. And um, who is the third receiver that I'm blanking on? right? Jarvis Landry. Thank you, Jarvis Landry, who had a great catch against the touchdown for, uh, against the Bengals on Sunday. If you uh, go – and then you have Nick Chubb as a running back. There's a lot yep. for Josh McDaniels to work with there. Josh McDaniels, to me, has done everything he's going to do in New England. I just don't – do you really want to be that that head coach who takes over the Patriots without Tom Brady? I, I don't know. I don't think I, – I don't – I just think that he'd want to go back home uh, and try the Browns out for, for good measure and see if uh, he can, you know, be that guy to bring a championship back to Cleveland. And you know what? There's not many teams with a quarterback that are without a head coach. They kind of go hand in hand. If, if your quarterback is working out, you're probably not moving on from your head coach. Freddie Kitchens – was not an NFL head coach. I, I didn't like to describe him as that. I like to describe describe him as just a guy trying his best. But I, I think that after what happened last time, it's big for Josh McDaniels to not have to go out and find himself a quarterback. The guy drafted Tim Tebow. So the fact that he already has that part set, I, I don't think he'd go to Carolina. I, I, I think if he leaves, he's leaving for the, the exact right opportunity. Cleveland is it. But let's say that, you know, Urban Meyer comes in and says, I'm willing to, to, right. to, to take over here. Lincoln Riley calls him up and says, yeah, I want to work with Baker again. I, I take either of those guys over McDaniels. I would. Um, but short of that, if they give him the offer, I think he's gone. I don't think he's going anywhere else, though. I don't think he's going somewhere where he has to pick the quarterback and build the thing from the ground on up. He, there's a good roster in Cleveland. That team was bad because of the coaching more than anything else. They have immense talent there. So that's where he can step in, and he knows he can succeed. Carolina, not necessarily the same. The one other one I will say, depending on what happens with the contract situation, and I'm not sure if there's interest here. I haven't seen if there is, but I think it would make sense for McDaniels is Dallas. If they can get Dak locked up and figure that thing out, um, 
I, I could see that being somewhere where, again, a lot of the pieces are in place. He just has to put them all in the right spot on the field. I could see Dallas being intriguing to him with the exception that, you know, he would, I'm assuming, being of Bill Belichick's tree, tell Jerry Jones, Sherry, there's a line where I'm in charge and you don't cross it and you don't get say in certain, certain things. And I'm not sure Jerry Jones would go for that, but we're deep into hypotheticals here. So You realize that the Giants, Browns, and Cowboys will all have vacancies. That is a remarkable trio. I, I mean, that's, you know, there, there are some legacy franchises that have been struggling, and I'll tell you this. I, I thought the Packers might be there, too. Uh, the LaFleur turned out to be a, a great hire, and he's done great things over there. But, yeah, some of the legacy franchises in the last couple of years, they've really been struggling. What do you think happens Saturday night? I don't usually do predictions on the Patriots beat pod, but I am going to allow Alex Barth, because he is king of hot takes, to give us <laughs> your hot take for Saturday night. See, the thing about my hot takes and the reason that they tend to be right is because they're well-informed. So I definitely uh, need some... Okay. Okay, I, I, go. What did they... That, that last Patriots drive, and they ended up losing the game, but that last Patriots drive, do you remember what I said to you right yeah, before Yeah, Brady drive? needs to complete four or five Brady passes. Needs to four throws. He made four throws on that drive to get them in the end zone. No, I... I Derek Henry, to me, is the wild card. Tennessee's going to go as far as Derek Henry takes him in this game. Now, it's supposed to be in the in the upper 40s to low 50s and mostly sunny or I guess mostly clear since it's at night there is a rainstorm that's supposed to come through about four o'clock it's supposed to get away at about seven that thing comes a few hours later and you get Derrick Henry on a wet field on a night that's not too cold he's going to tear this defense apart just what I've seen the last couple of weeks and I, I think that they are banged up more than we realize and this guy's another animal it takes two players to bring him down every single time, and when he gets in the second level more often than not, he's gone. So if they can figure out a way to contain Derrick Henry, I think they'll be okay. Ryan Tannehill has never had success against Bill Belichick. I know he's new and improved this year, but Bill has his number. I expect him to go back to that. I think the offense can do enough. I think there's a bit of the chip on their shoulder, and I do believe to an extent in that they've been holding things back. I do think James White gets a much increased role, but at the end of the day, if Derrick Henry gets rolling and they can't stop his momentum, it's going to be a long, long, long evening. So I, I'm not picking just yet because I, I still need to look a little bit more into it, but that's kind of a, my I'll whole buy that. Hinges on what they can do to stop Derrick Henry. He's that good of a player. He really is. I think he's one of the more underrated players in the league. I think he's one of the best running backs in the league. I'm not just saying that because he went to Alabama. I think it, you know, we've been due for a resurgence in old school power running football. We've seen a sliver of it here in New England with Sony Michelle, but Derrick Henry is the whole darn thing. He is the real deal. He can change a game and that power running it, it becomes that much more impactful late in the year when guys have 16, 17, 18 games on their odometer and, and they're, everybody's banged up this time of year. Everybody's dealing with something. And when you can put a 230 pound running back that can run a four or five out there, it's going to give teams trouble. It, no matter who you are, it is. And it's going to give Brett Bielma concussions as he joked on Monday yeah. during the, uh, no, I, I, I remember watching Derek and some of those Arkansas, some of those bad SEC teams when he would just, you know, he, he would he would jog to 250 yards against those teams. This is a this is a special special football player. Well, I want to thank everybody for downloading today's podcast, and I want to thank once again Alex Barth for tolerating me. Nobody takes abuse like you do, Alex. I appreciate it. Feelings mutual. 
<laughs> also want to thank our great sponsor, betonline.ag, for producer Mike Alonji and the founder of the network, Nick Shelso. This is Mike Petralia, and this has been the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Media. Hello, I'm Dan Lothian, host of the Behind the Media Podcast on the CLNS Media Network. Along with Jimmy Young, we dive into the biggest media headlines each week with honest, informed, and sometimes irreverent perspectives. It's not all serious. We deliver information and entertainment. As we like to say on Behind the Media, we find the interesting in media so you don't have to go searching for it. Listen to our podcast and get prepped for the next trip to the water cooler. Subscribe to Behind the Media wherever you get your podcast or find us on www.clnsmedia.com.